of you. I want to think um, for a few moments about facing death and facing fear. And that's not to be gloomy or morbid, um, but it's actually to enter into what those we remember today faced, some who overcame and some who fell. And I also bring it to us today uh, to stir thankfulness in our hearts, uh, but also because I think today in the comfort that's been won for us uh, by those who fought for this nation, I wonder whether sometimes we do our level best to remove the whole idea of death far from our sphere of vision. And uh, then suddenly it's upon us at the end of our lives. Uh, and in my job, I do get to be with um, people uh, very often right before their lives end. And some are prepared and some, it literally is the first time they've considered it. So I, I just wanted us to, to think about that for a few minutes today and uh, to think about this in the context of the words of Jesus. Now, Andy read from, uh, in our second reading, from the words of Jesus, uh, from John's Gospel, chapter 15, where Jesus says, remain in me. Now, if you read an old-fashioned version of the Bible, uh, then you might find the words, abide in me. And there's a hymn which we're going to sing after I've spoken, uh, which picks up these words of Jesus called, Abide with me. And it was a hymn written by uh, someone called Henry Francis Light in the middle 19th century. So he wrote this in 1847, and he wrote it three weeks before he died. He didn't die in war, uh, but in the middle of the 19th century, uh, he was uh, an Englishman, but living in Ireland. And uh, at that time in Ireland, there was a great famine and many left Ireland uh, and traveled across the Atlantic to America, uh, and many perished as a result of starvation and the sh shortages of food. He was a serving clergyman, and during that time he contracted uh, tuberculosis and wrote a hymn, this hymn we're gonna sing, called Abide With Me, uh, three weeks before he actually died. Now, on um, the 6th of June, 1944, uh, on a Tuesday, about 160,000 British men left these shores and traveled across in what's still the largest seaborne invasion of foreign shores uh, in what's become known as the D-Day landings. By, the, by 10 days later, just under a million British men had made the voyage across the English Channel and landed on French soil uh, under German occupation. And I was reading um, a diary of um, a man who was on one of the hundreds of boats that left these shores, carrying his soldiers packed to the gunnels with all their gear. And uh, he was describing what happened. They had to arrive in the morning so that they could see, which meant leaving here when it was dark. And they'd been delayed by 24 hours uh, because of bad weather. 
and on the day that they travelled, the seas were, um, you know, still pretty, pretty fierce. I think they had an idea of what was before them, um, but as they were encamped, waiting to leave, um, I think the alcohol was flowing, and they were building each other up and singing their songs, and there was uh, much sort of, you know, gusto and uh, fortification and uh, bravado swirling around the camps. But in this diary, um, I read uh, one of the soldiers in the black of night, as dawn suddenly began to light up the seas and the French shores, as the boat went up and down, suddenly the reality of what they were going to do and landing on French soil began to dawn on all those on the boat. He said where we'd been uh, telling jokes and uh, just spending time as, as men do, suddenly a grim silence fell on the boat. As they heard uh, the planes already beginning to uh, move into action overhead, and as they began to see the beaches, which were clothed with barbed wire and uh, metal tripods, lots of things that the German forces had laid out to make landing extremely challenging. A fear began to engulf the whole boat. And he said, one of us sang a song that we all knew, which was the old hymn, Abide With Me. As they faced their own peril, as they didn't, knew, didn't know whether they would return, how long they would be alive. Even as we know that over 5,000 men fell that day as they tried to emerge from the boats onto dry land. They didn't know would they be some who would fall or would they be the ones who survived. And if they survived that day, as uh, one of the films that's commemorated uh, the, uh, the landings uh, termed it, as they survived the longest day, would they survive the following day and the one after that? And one of us began to sing, Abide with me, a song inviting God to come near. As they faced uh, pain, extreme danger, the whole boat fell silent and then began to join in. And the whole boat was singing and praying, Lord, abide with me. Abide with me. Come near. Come and remain. It just made, it just made me think, you know, what was in the, the heads of those who were singing that hymn, who were praying those prayers in their hearts. Were they ready to die? Had they, as Anthony referred to, had they even thought, really thought about it? Had they left behind regrets? Were there things undone at home that they may never get to unpick and do better? Were they ready? Had they contemplated the universe and life and God before? 
Maybe for some, if they'd left behind chaos and hardship, perhaps death may even come as a relief. It made me think, just in you know, the last fortnight, thinking about this service, you know, I wonder how ready we are. Without being gloomy or sorrowful, but in the comfort and security that we enjoy, are we ready to give our last breath? You know, I always say to those who um, sometimes adopt the approach, well, there can't be anything really out there. You know, we just live this life and then it ends. Well, I think you watch some of the stranger channels on Freeview and with all the paranormal and all of that sort of stuff, I think by now we kind of know there's something out there. And for me, it makes me turn to Jesus, who 2,000 years ago lived the most glorious, compelling, wonderful life and taught things that nobody had ever heard before and demonstrated just how much love and power and compassion God, his Father, had. And Jesus, as God's Son, seemed to never flinch from danger. There were many times in Jesus' life that people around him tried to kill him. There was a time they tried to throw him off a cliff. There was a time where they were plotting and scheming. They were trying to arrest him. They were wanting him to die because he was challenging the status quo. And those are, some of those in religious authority just couldn't handle it. But Jesus lived with such a peace and a tranquility and a calm in the face of death, it makes me think, I don't know how much I live my life with such peace and tranquility and calm. There was a time when Jesus was in a boat and uh, the seas were so dangerous that everyone else on the boat thought that they were going to capsize and lose their lives. And yet Jesus was simply found asleep right in the heart of the boat. How did he do that? How did he face danger? How did he face fear? How did he face death with such peace? And we could think, well, maybe it's because Jesus was God and, you know, he didn't really feel and experience the emotions and challenges that we do. But he did. Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed by one of his 12 closest friends. Jesus knew what it was like to lose people around him, when his friend Lazarus died. Jesus knew uh, what it was like to be followed around by some of his best chums, and they're constantly messing up the whole time. You know, I mean, this would never happen in the scout troop, because I'm sure every Thursday night, you know, when uh, David and all the rest of the leaders say, right, here's what we're doing tonight, and everyone stands to attention and follows exactly the orders, Uh, that you can't really uh, relate to whatever's going on. But Jesus had a few discipline problems at times. um, And they were constantly getting things, uh, putting their foot in it and being bulls in china shops. But there's one moment where we see Jesus at his most sorrowful, his most agonizing, his, um, the most emotional pain that he faced. And it was the moment where Jesus faced with his death, faced with the cross, where the sins of the whole world were laid on his shoulder, 
Jesus knew that for him, that he would be separated from God his Father. And he cried out in what we read in the Bible in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he cried out, Father, let this cup be taken from me. This is too much to bear that the sins and brokenness and bad stuff of the whole planet would be placed on my shoulders and I would be separated from you. And Jesus cried out in agony. Because the thing that made Jesus find peace, find a security which literally was out of this world, was in his relationship with God his Father. Jesus lived as one of us, but he constantly was in contact with God. He walked around and he said, listen, the words that I say are not my words. They're straight from God the Father. The things that I do are not my own decision, but they're the things the Father tells me to do. And the reason Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice, the reason he endured the cross 2,000 years ago, was so that you and I could actually have all the stuff that's wrong in our lives sacrificed for and a payment made so that we could know God the Father just like Jesus did. So that we could actually find the restlessness and pain and fear in our heart healed and restored through coming to know God as our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus died. And he really did die. And what's wonderful to proclaim is that three days later, he really did rise from the dead. And he showed himself to so many people that it was verified in, in the Bible, which is still the best-selling book on the planet. It was verified to so many people that we can't possibly deny it. And he died the death that we might know God as Father today. And what that means is that we can find a peace and a courage and a strength for all of the fear in our lives. We can find a comfort and a guide and a protector for all of the hardships that we face. Do you know, when you come to know Jesus, and when we make him the central person in our lives, then God moves in and he brings what the Bible calls a peace which passes all understanding. Which means that when you and I are thrown into the anvil of danger and tribulation and hardship, it doesn't make us superheroes that don't feel anything, but it means that we've got a father that we can take our sorrows and our hardships to. And when we bring them to him, what he does in our hearts is he brings us peace. And he brings us comfort, and he brings us rest, and he brings us love, and he brings us joy, which becomes our strength. And that's why the Bible says, consider it joy when you're in trial, because that's the way that you're going to find God in a deeper way, and all the stuff of life's going to be stripped away, and you're actually going to find the goal of your faith, which is to find something within us so strong because it's out of this world, because it's eternal, and it's from God. And then we find, when we do face the mortality of our own lives, we find that because God has moved in, 
that means actually we come to realize that there's a whole bigger divine story taking place. Do you know, some people die prematurely and it grieves our hearts. And some people live long lives. Some of those from our village who gave their lives were not among some of those who actually returned. And we sometimes don't know why, you know, all of that. But we do know that if we know God, we can face death because we actually, when we know Jesus Christ, we know one who went through death and came out the other side and rose from the dead and comes to offer that same eternal life to you and I. And do you know how you find that? It's the most simple thing in the world, but it's the hardest thing in the world for you and I as very powerful, very self-sufficient, very independent British people. It's the simplest thing in the world because it means you and I simply can come into eternal life by putting our whole trust in Jesus Christ. That's hard because I like trusting myself or I like trusting the world. But actually, if I'm really honest, if I really think on a day like remembrance, what if I was on one of those boats leaving these shores? You know, maybe with 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds. You know, would I be ready? And I like to think that today, if we open our hearts to Jesus, when he reminds us that what we live is to be enjoyed, is to be lived out as fully as we can in this life, but actually what we receive from Jesus is the resurrection from the dead. We receive eternal life that never ends. That we will know him now in our hearts and one day completely forever and ever and ever. And he comes and he says, Anthony, can I abide with you? He says, Louise, can I abide with you? Karen, can I abide with you? And he invites us to pray, Lord, Come, abide with me, remain with me, be with me, be the most central thing in my life, in my heart. And as we do that, we do find that he scatters our fear. He saves our lives. He restores us. He puts back together our broken parts. And he gives us a hope that goes beyond all that we face and never, ever ends. Jesus says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. I'd love to just say, you know, I don't want to be too dramatic, but I just want to say, you know, who knows what happens tomorrow? Who knows what happens next year? You know, life can happen just so quickly. It feels so secure, and then suddenly, shh. I sit with folks who, you know, suddenly say to me in quite a lot of terror, you know, when their lives are slipping through their fingers, I'm not ready for this, I'm not prepared. And my privilege is I get to tell them about Jesus who prepared for them. And I just don't want any of us to be finding life slipping through our fingers without preparing ourselves. And so let us today, standing on the shoulders 
of those who gave their today for our tomorrow. And standing on the cross of Jesus Christ, who gave his today for our eternal tomorrow. Let us pray, abide with me. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, who loves you so much and will be with you as you invite him. I pray this in his name. Amen.